following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Episode 771 of I Doubt It Podcast. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the other host, your other host, lovely, talented, and as beautiful as ever, Brittany Page, everybody. Oh, scholarly as ever, Brittany Page, everybody. Very wounded today. Well, I'm looking at your face, and yeah. I'm thinking, how beautiful. Oh, that's And nice. so I don't see scholarly on your, on your mug. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm wearing glasses, what I'm, No, I'm I saying you don't on. look very smart, is what I'm saying. I know, and what I'm saying is I have glasses on, <laughs> which well, is the universal always... sign for intelligence. Oh, is it? That's what I heard. It's the, what happened before That's glasses? I, have them. I guess we were cavemen. We weren't smart. Yeah, I love those movies where like a really attractive woman uh, wears glasses, and then everyone like thinks she's unattractive. Oh yeah, <laughs> like what happened to her? What's the one with uh, like the princess? What's her name? She was in Les Mis, and um, neither one of us are going to know. Oh, oh, the Princess Diaries. Yeah, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Of she's course, I'm going to know that. Loved she, that movie. Did Great. you? When I was a kid. Oh, it's that old. Yeah. Huh, you're super old. It's so. that old. Okay, anyway, back, well, on that note, I fell down the stairs today. <laughs> I totally You for sure. Fell I'm down in the, the studio. Today. Yeah. I don't know if I had just got done recording or was getting ready no, to. No, you were getting ready to. And I hear yeah. a tumble. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, oh my God, Br- Brittany, are you okay? <laughs> and it's silence, because of course, you're just going to let me worry. No, I couldn't even And speak. I go running down the hallway- into the bathroom. Yeah. And it's I'm you crumpled on the floor crying. <laughs> you fell down the stairs. Yeah, it was horrifying. It was horrifying. I don't know how it happened. I'm still in pain. What is it does it say something that my very first thought was were you refusing to touch the handrail <laughs> while you walked down the stairs because of germs? No, I don't listen. I don't need to touch the handrail going down the stairs. Oh, oh no, oh no. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Says the person yeah. who's crumpled on the bathroom floor having just fallen down the stairs. Yeah. I don't need the handrail. Now, here's what I love about your logic is you're immediately searching for ways uh, for like how this is my fault. How can you? How it's your yeah, fault. Yeah. How can you blame it on Whose me? Whose fucking fault is it that you fell down the stairs? Well, it's probably the stairs why is, fault. Why, is, why am I not questioning that your first inclination is to try to blame <laughs> other people and deflect blame from yourself okay. when you're the one solo yeah. who fell down the stairs? So anyway, in case anyone's worried, I am okay, but my back is hurting. Your coccyx. And it's actually hurting in my upper back and in my sternum at times. I really fucked myself up and <laughs> I'm seriously shocked. I have no idea why it happened. I think I was tired. The stairs are very narrow. And steep. And we live steep. in a 122-year-old townhouse Yeah, with a lot of stairs. Yeah. So I think I just kind of... You know, missed missed planting my foot firmly on the step. I did the dumb guy thing where you, if you watch somebody walking down the stairs while they're on the phone or whatever, yeah, and they think they've come to the ground level, but there's like an extra step. Mm-hmm. I did that on the very bottom, going downstairs onto the into the main area of the house. Oh, yeah, that's a really good story. Early on, oh, thank you. <laughs> Professional storyteller, yeah. Jesse Dollamore. I almost fell down the stairs one time. No, I didn't fall down because I'm not a dum-dum. Oh, okay. I thought I was at the end. Gladly, there was no one there to watch me look like an idiot. Right. Well, well ev- everyone heard it in this case because it was unmistakable, the thud and the tumbling. I, In all seriousness... Yeah. Waka waka waka. <laughs> Seriously, I'm very glad you didn't like really fuck yourself up. Yeah, no, I'm glad too. Because it would have put a giant cramp in my day. Yeah, like I, I wouldn't have been able to do videos. It would have been like ambulance time. Not good. Yeah, probably not an ambulance. Those are expensive. Probably just figure something else out. 
Call Uber. Uber or something. Well, Uber yeah. to the to the to the hospital. <laughs> so yeah, I'm okay, and hopefully this will be my like last fall. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> you really uh really hope for the best. Yeah. Anyway, thank you guys for joining us. Can you believe we're at episode seven hundred seventy one? Pretty wild. Insane mm-hmm. that this little podcast that could. Has made it this far. Yes. So speaking of that, let's get to some listener communication because it is without, it is because of you. I was going to say without you, there's no way we could be at 771. Um, last episode, we had a, a caller call in about calling uh, a different, what efficacy there is, what utility there is in calling your congressman or your or your senators, your elected representatives, because he tried to call Kirsten Cinema. And uh, their her voice machine or whatever their their answer machine system voicemail system was turned off. God, it was should not be that hard. Yeah, should not be that hard. He uh, has a follow up. Hi, Brittany and Jesse. It's Noah from North Carolina. I called earlier this week about uh, trying to contact Kirsten Cinema's office and voicemail to respond to what. I perceive to be some judgment on Jesse's part uh, for me not contacting my senator, Senator Burr, to encourage him to make different decisions related to COVID insider trading, except rather than trying to contact uh, Kirsten Cinema from Arizona. And I just genuinely wanted to know whether or not you think that would actually be useful. Do you think that someone who's profiting off of a pandemic and doing insider trading to increase his, his net worth while his constituents die is really going to be receptive to messages from constituents who oppose him. I just don't see that as being realistic, and I just don't really understand what the purpose would be in contacting someone who clearly doesn't have a desire to represent people who aren't far right and or capitalist goons. All right, bye. Well, two things, Noah. One, well, well, three things. One, thank you for calling back. Appreciate that. Two, I I didn't, no judgment was consciously being registered. I wasn't judging. I I think I'm trying to remember the end of the call, and it was like, you you can call, there's other people you could call. You have a senator in your state. Mm -hmm. Uh, That wasn't meant as a judgment. That Maybe it come across that way, but I I didn't mean it that way. Well, you tend to be like a solutions guy. Yeah, I'm also kind of a prick sometimes. Well... A lot of the time. All right, most of the time. All right. All the time, I'm a dirty prick. There's several several characteristics that you have, (laughs) and one of them you just described, and another is being very optimistic and trying to offer solutions. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So I would imagine that that... That may have been what you were trying to do, and yeah. it just came out in in the aforementioned. I, I think that's tone. likely. So let me continue with being a dirty prick and mm-hmm. um, yeah. push back on on you know you say, well, is that going to work? Is that even going to work? What's the purpose of calling someone who doesn't care about representing their constituency? Well, if that's the case. Why are you fucking calling Kirsten Cinema? Mm-hmm. The same things, except for maybe the insider trading, could be said of her as Richard Burr. She's clearly not interested in representing the interests of her constituency. So my, my, my question would be, and disregard any tone, it's just how I'm talking. My question would be, if she's not interested in representing her actual constituency, what interest do you think she has in representing people who are not in her constituency who call her? Well, also... I guess another variation of that is that there was some sort of motivation that Noah had to call Kristen Cinema. So what was that that was motivating him to call Kristen Cinema, knowing that that endeavor didn't feel like it would make a tremendous difference yeah. for Noah? And then the other thing would be, I don't know that I said it. It, it doesn't do any any good. Uh, is it good? Or you asked, is it gonna is it gonna do any good? I don't know that it's going to do any good. I can't say definitively, but I could certainly say that it's not going to do any harm mm-hmm. to call. Mm-hmm. You're not going to cause a senator or a a, uh, a member of Congress to dig in their heels and say, well, fuck them. They're calling. I'm not going to vote for sure now. Right. It's just not going to hurt. If anything, it's, it is going to help. 
Right. So thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Uh, not judging you. L- not right now, at least. <laughs> Maybe later. <laughs> All right. Next call. Hi, Jesse. Hi, Brittany. This is uh, John from New Hampshire again. Um, calling to update you guys about What's going on with uh, New Hampshire's House Bill 1255 or that teacher loyalty bill? Uh, on, I think it was Thursday, there was the public hearing for the bill, and over 2,000 residents of New Hampshire showed up uh, to, in opposition to this bill, essentially. Um, and I think the total of support of the bill from some uh, you know, some of the nut jobs in our state was like 26 members of the public showed up to support this thing, and then one guy was indifferent. Um, so yeah, it's it's not going great because that's still making its way through. Um, additionally, there's another bill now. I think it's 1313 or maybe 1333 to expand a previous bill on divisive concepts, which was restricting the teaching of divisive concepts and kindergarten to high school and is now this new bill is trying to expand that to higher education such as college um of course they wouldn't have any jurisdiction over some of the private schools but they would have some jurisdiction over possibly over some of the state universities like the university of new hampshire um so yeah things still aren't going well oh and then um on the same day we had that uh, hearing about 1255, there was some idiots that put a bill forward to um, secede from the union. Um, I'm not even kidding. Uh, it, it you can go look it up. It's pretty horrifying. Um, but yeah, there was you know there was a group of people that came out with this idea that they wanted to secede from the union. Um, not sure how New Hampshire would do as an independent country, but you know they want to try. Um, Anyway, just calling up to get you guys about that. Um, love the show. And because Jesse called me a coward for not taking sides last time, I can say oh. now definitively that Brittany is the best part. Oh. See you guys. Uh, keep up the good work. Bye. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. You see, Noah. <laughs> Do you see? You're not the only one. Yes. Apparently, I'm, a, I'm an attacking, judgmental asshole to everybody (laughs) (laughs) well let me say this uh relative to i don't want to set it aside because i want to talk about it but it does not surprise me that there are peculiarities in new england politics maine has its own little weird flavor vermont certainly does but new hampshire is very special in their uniqueness Mm -hmm. in politics there i mean there's a whole movement like it's called free state or something. There's a there's a real libertarian type of vibe in in New Hampshire. So it doesn't surprise me that people are trying to secede from the union. Mm. But it is good to hear, absolutely good to hear that 2000 people came out in opposition to a teacher loyalty bill or what you know these these nonsense culture war items that are being proposed. Yeah, well, it makes you wonder what the effective response is here. And I'm thinking of what's happening in Texas with Governor Greg Abbott trying to uh, propose this parental bill of rights. He wants to amend the Texas Constitution for a parental bill of rights. This all related to mask mandates in schools and along the lines of, of New Hampshire, also related to the critical race theory stuff about what is going to be taught in schools and ensuring that parents have access to it. And in this clip we're about to play, Beto, who's running against Greg Abbott in the election for governor in Texas, says that people aren't really concerned about these cultural issues and pivots away from even paying attention to the discussion about it. And I'm wondering if that's a winning strategy in this case or if that's something that Democrats should continue to do. But I guess we will find out on the other side of this clip. The kids performed for the governor. But the governor's audience was their parents. The essential role of parents is being threatened by government itself. Governor Abbott unveiled a parental bill of rights during a campaign stop at a Louisville charter school. No sweeping policy changes. In fact, the state education code already lays out parental rights. 
We will amend the Texas Constitution. But Abbott proposes amending the state constitution to reinforce those rights. He'd also require all educational material be posted online for parents to see. He'd give parents the final say on whether their child should repeat a grade level. And he'd force districts to respond to complaints quickly. I demand a mask mandate and a virtual option. The unveiling of his Bill of Rights comes after two years of complaints. Masks, remote learning, how to teach history, gender and race. It also comes amid a campaign. People are not focused on the culture war issues or the things that divide us. Democrat Beto O'Rourke is running against Governor Abbott. He has three kids in Texas public schools. And what we know and what we hear from other parents is that this governor has turned his back on Texas families and on public schools. He has massively underfunded public education in Texas, and it has produced some really concerning results. No government program can replace the role that parents play in the education of their children. Texas parents will have to decide whether Abbott's proposal is real policy or just politics. In Louisville, I'm Teresa Woodard. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to stick with my version of how this should be dealt with across the board. And anytime critical race theory gets brought up and, and talked about it, so it's a real thing. I think the only rebuttal that there should be is that it's not being taught in school. Mm -hmm. This is a solution in search of a problem that just doesn't exist. Right. And then pivot to our schools are way underfunded. They're they're using critical resources on things that aren't in the benefit of our kids. But it, yeah. it must be stated they're lying about this. It's not being taught. This is a lie. Absolutely. It's yeah. a distraction. That seems like the winning strategy. Are you looking for a job on the Beto campaign? No, I'm already I'm already full up in my full-time job of slogans for the Democratic Party. Remember, <laughs> we stand for something and they stand in the way. Wasn't that what it was last uh, episode? That doesn't sound as good as what I thought the one last time sounded like. So. Maybe it's because it was so new to you that you were just bamboozled by... Yeah. Just blown away, that not could bamboozled, because yeah. that would indicate some kind of fraudulence or something. Yeah. But, <laughs> listen, this is something we're going to have to continue to battle with as long as there are Republicans, because the Republican Party is not, again, going back to the not standing for anything, they don't have a platform. They don't have a policy agenda. All they want to do is inflame the culture war in this country right. and get people fired up enough to not vote for the other side exactly so thanks for the call john we appreciate it very much next call hey this is brian from connecticut um <clears throat> listening to the show i felt like maybe uh and correct me if i'm wrong you unfairly characterized sam harris and michael Shermer as people who like carry water for jordan peterson that's not true at all i thought that was very unfair i'm a big fan of your show i'm a big fan of sam harris and michael Shermer. um don't care too much for jordan peterson i've never heard them you know they may talk and agree on some things and disagree on a lot of other things like they definitely do not agree um but they you know they talk to a wide range of people they talk to you know anybody and everybody and they disagree on a lot of things i feel like their podcasts are very michael Shermer has a vast array of people on his podcast it's a great podcast you should check it out um and sam harris too i mean doesn't isn't some you know like oh jordan peterson yeah anti-trans stuff awesome like that's not i don't know that's not how that goes um i don't know feel free to disagree i guess love the show you're both the best part. Um, I don't know. Uh, check it out. I, I feel like that was unfair. All right, bye. Well, this may, this must be Brian, a new listener. It must be a new listener. You said yeah. Brian. Brian from Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. This has to be a new listener because anyone who's calling and saying, "Hey, you guys should like check out and listen to Sam Harris and Michael Shermer." I mean, we we hosted a debate where Michael Shermer was present. We yeah. obviously yeah we moderated a debate on stage with Michael Shermer. We yeah we know Michael Shermer. We don't know of Michael Shermer. We know Michael Shermer. And, I mean, it seems strange to me to say that they're not carrying water for Jordan Peterson when Jordan Peterson really would not have the platform that he does without this kind of group coming around him and helping to 
lift him up. Yeah, the, the what used to be like provocative new atheism now is like the 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 dark web, the intellectual dark web. Yeah, like they, they're all a member of this, and they've helped catapult Jordan Peterson to the fame he has. But but, but before I get into that. You, listen, I'm not discounting you're a fan of Michael Shermer, but Michael Shermer is a fucking a jackass. Michael Shermer on stage with us, 10 feet away, said that we need to let Thomas Jefferson off the hook for raping Sally Hemings because what we're, well, I want to get his exact quote. Um, Jefferson should be quote unquote let off the hook for raping Sally Hemings because quote, by all accounts, he had a loving relationship with the woman. I would also say the the quote there isn't let off the hook for raping Sally Hem. I don't think he... No, no, let off the hook. Right, but he didn't say for raping. No, that's my addition. I right. said the quote part. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he just... Mike Shermer's not great. Not great. Flatly. I, I will give Sam Harris a little bit more wiggle room, uh, but still... They promote Jordan Peterson's books. They do all kinds of shitty, shady shit related to Peterson. Yeah. So Michael Shermer on episode 174 of his podcast had Jordan Peterson on to promote his latest book, Beyond Order. And in the promotion of that was using phrases like an epic conversation with Jordan B. Peterson, one of the most interesting people I've known. Enjoy the dialogue on your preferred podcast platform. Okay. Yeah. Now that doesn't seem like hedging, right? Like I'm having this person on, we're having a debate. I don't agree with him about everything, but here's some of these things. It's like, he's one of the most interesting people I've met. It's an epic conversation. This person is worthwhile. I mean, that's yeah, basically it, what also, you're saying. It's free from pushback. It's free from conflict. It's There's no like, well, I'm going to challenge you on this. What about this? Mm-hmm. None of that. It's, oh, go buy the book. Well, then in 2018, Skeptic Magazine, which is Michael Shermer's Magazine. Magazine you've been published in, by the way. We know so little about Michael Shermer. You've been published in this magazine. And they were criticized. Skeptic Magazine was criticized and Michael Shermer for publishing an article that was written by one of Jordan Peterson's former students where it's basically just like a lengthy defense of Jordan Peterson. Yeah. And he was criticized so heavily on social media that he actually issued a response to that criticism and said that heads are exploding because they chose to publish this. Uh, Just quote unquote, just reporting facts, not moralizing. So there's been repeated examples of Michael Shermer not just hosting Jordan Peterson on his platform in a way that interrogates the various claims that he's making, but in such a way that promotes him within his skeptic audience as a legitimate voice that one should really take seriously and pay attention to. And the same is true of Sam Harris. And this is why I say Brian must be a new listener, because we've had lengthy conversations about Sam Harris lengthy conversations about Michael Shermer, how the way that they handle their platforms is problematic. And I also want to say Jordan Peterson was on Joe Rogan's podcast and talked about how he went to dinner with Ben Shapiro, Sam Harris, Dave Rubin, and Eric Weinstein. Like I think these Joe people, Rogan was there too at that one. Like these people hang out together yeah, yeah, yeah. outside of the podcast that they produce that promote each other and their various books also, and materials. Also, Sam Harris scolding Christian Piccolini on stage, former radical, violent white supremacist who knows about the field, chastised him for saying that uh, Stephen Molyneux was a, a Holocaust denier. I mean, just listen, I don't believe Sam Harris is necessarily a a rabid, insane, frothing at the mouth racist. But he sure does fuel oxygen to those types, and he is a gateway drug for those types. Well, and Jordan Peterson is now anti-COVID mandates. He says, drop the masks. He has taken the Weinstein approach to the pandemic and has started saying things that are just blatant misinformation on his prominent Twitter platform. And I believe he's going on Joe Rogan today. (laughs) No surprise. So... Again, I I think Brian has to be a new listener, hasn't heard us talk about these things, is telling us to check out <laughs> these various platforms when my YouTube algorithm is filled with Jordan <laughs> yeah, Peterson, yeah. Sam Harris, Megan Kelly, the Weinstein. I mean, I consume this to a pathological 
degree in a way that I shouldn't for my mental health so that I can be informed when I talk about it. And I want to give a big shout out to, we talked about it last time, but it was kind of a vague mention, Decoding the Gurus, which is a relatively new podcast, I think, although time is completely warped with the pandemic. And what they do is they choose various guru types and they go through their history and public statements and show how they're not good for society. They also just did an episode with Sam Harris, who came on the show. Credit to Sam Harris. Yeah. I mean, credit to Sam for actually coming on and being adult about it rather than just whining, being attacked. Yeah. And if you think they only do right wing figures like the ones we were talking about now, they don't. They also do people on the left. They do non-political people. They have an episode about Gwyneth Paltrow. They have an episode about Ibram X. Kendi. Right. So they they're tackling these prominent figures who have prominent platforms and the loudest voices in the room from various sides of the aisle. And it's a great podcast. They're often three hours long, so you got to settle in. It's too much for me. But you know that they're going (laughs) deep and they're really giving you a lot of useful information. So a lot of the figures that they've covered were actually at the Stop the Mandate rally in in D.C. this weekend, which we're going to talk about. So, Which we didn't go to. Well, we'll get into that. Anyway... Uh, so Brian, you know, maybe this will be your last episode because we pissed you off and I'm again being a judgmental dick. That's the theme of the episode, apparently. I don't think we were judgmental of Brian. I, no, I think sometimes I'm not. I don't think I'm being judgmental. I just I people get like, uh, Jesse's a, a cock. It, well, for some reason, there is a strong sense of fans feeling like they need to defend Sam Harris and Michael Shermer, I think people develop a really personal relationship with those figures because oftentimes they find their way to them on a very personal journey of like losing their faith, for example, and having really hard conversations and finding people that they respect that do that well, which I used to have that same respect. I, I really revered Sam Harris and Michael Shermer, and that has changed over the years. And I mean, I I still feel like sometimes Sam Harris says and does things that are good, like when he criticizes Donald Trump and he started criticizing the Weinstein brothers publicly, which is good. But by and large, there have been a lot of disappointing things coming out of the new atheist movement. And we try to talk about that because it's important. For sure. And we would love to know what all of you think about this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Before we move on with the rest of the program, we do have one more piece of follow-up involving that judge we talked about last week who wanted to throw the 72-year-old cancer patient man in jail for overgrown grown weeds. Yes, Judge Allison Crott has apologized. And in this news package that we're going to play, there's a little overview so that you can feel that rage once again. A Hamtramck judge is apologizing tonight to a 72-year-old cancer patient. This is the exchange that went viral last week. Is it, ma'am, forgivable because my father is currently sick and we clean that after... I am very sick, man. That is shameful. If I could give you jail time on this, I would. The Hamtramck man was in court for violating a city ordinance because of his overgrown grass there. The the judge threatened him with jail time even after the man's son explained his father was too weak from cancer treatments to do the yard work. An online petition to remove 31st District Court Judge Alexis Crott has collected more than 200,000 signatures. In a statement released tonight, Judge Crott writes, I made a mistake. I acted intemperately. I'm very embarrassed that I did so. I apologize. I apologize to the person who appeared before me and to our entire community for having failed to meet the high standards that we expect of our judicial officers and that I expect of myself, end of quote. So, again, public pressure, public outrage led to an apology. Yeah. Does it seem heartfelt? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, to me it doesn't. I was going to ask that question because I wrote down, apologize to the person who appeared before me. Right. Well, that fucking person has a name, mm-hmm. judge. Mm-hmm. And it makes me wonder, is removal too harsh? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I tend to believe, I tend to, to to stand firm on my belief that if you are in a position of, of authority, 
a higher standard should should be uh, applied. Mm-hmm. If you're a cop and you do something that violates your oath, if you're a judge where you stand in judgment to other people, there should be a higher standard. Right. And I don't know that it would be too tough to... She loses her job over this because this is just the one thing we know about. This is just the one time we got that got caught on camera that went viral. How many other times have there been moments where she's abusive to people unduly? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and I'm trying to think about what would be in the middle of like her losing her job, her position, and a public apology. And... I mean, hopefully there's some sort of oversight where she can be supervised or some of her cases are reviewed or something that goes a little bit deeper to ensure that there's not a situation here where she just issues a public apology and then can go about her her life, not really actually grappling with what happened here. Because outrage isn't consequence. Right. That's just a flash in the pan. Oh, I apologize to the person. Mm -hmm. And then she goes on being a maniac in her courtroom to people who don't deserve uh, uh, that kind of treatment. Yeah, and I'm sure the heat was on for a period of time, but then people move on and the public shaming stops. and Well, and then it becomes a situation where, well, I got away with it before. There was no consequence before. I can continue to act like this. Yeah. Well, you get comfortable. And yeah. maybe that's a way that she operates yeah, it's comfortably. Like, it's like when you're driving. Like when I was a teenager and I would drive radically. And then like there would be a close call. And then my heart would beat for a minute. And I'd be like, oh, my God. Oh, I'm going to straighten out and fly right. Yeah. And then five <laughs> minutes later, I'm driving like a dickhole again. Yeah. Well, it's like when everyone sees a cop when they're driving. And right. they like slam on their brakes. <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, my God. I really need to stop speeding. And then 10 minutes later, they're speeding <laughs> again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what my car sounds like. Oh, maybe yeah. want to get that checked out. I think I will. Yeah. All right. We love you guys. Moving on. I Doubt It is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast. Before we read these names, I just want to say that sometimes people will lower their pledge and then message us and apologize and say that something's happening in their life and they had to decrease their pledge amount. And we, we always, I mean, those are thoughtful messages to send, but we just want to make a blanket, blanket statement and say, please take care of yourselves. We know that things yeah, are difficult. For sure. We know that times are tough during the pandemic. We're still going through this. And life is fucking hard generally. It is. And I don't want people to ever think that because they reduce their pledge amount that we're like, oh, this person is, you know, reducing their pledge. What is going ne- on? Never. No. I mean, we want you to take care of what you need to take care of. And I that's what I respond. And I hope it is not something that people just brush off because it's true. We want you to please take care of yourselves. We listen in this in this grand scheme of things, in the even in the the the, the not in grand scheme of things, we should be an afterthought. We we should be all my stuff is taken care of. Am I going to get a cup of coffee today or eh, maybe I'll send a Patreon? That's what we should be in the in the in the pantheon of what what you spend your money on. Yeah. Taking care of yourself, absolutely. You shouldn't have to, if you have to budget in your Patreon contribution for anybody, including us, maybe mo- mo- mostly us, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. So we would like to give a shout out to our new Patreon supporters, Parker A. Parker A. Roscoe S. Roscoe S. Andrew E.B. Andrew E.B. Zach M. Zach M. And... Someone who did not put any name at all. Yeah, the, the, the email comes through and it says meet, and then there's no name. Yeah, <laughs> meet blank. <laughs> so thank you. And then we would like to give a shout out to our Patreon supporters who have upped their pledge. And we want to give a shout out to Thomas C. Thomas C. And Rob J. Rob J. Rob J. And Thomas C. Thomas C. More than doubling the pledge. So thank you very much for that. Greatly more than doubling the pledge. Greatly yeah, more like, than, yes. It's... A lot. Yes. Of He doubled the double and maybe even doubled that double. It's, it's thank you very much. Yes. So, at the, And if you have to budget that in, 
Cancel that goddamn pledge. At the end of the month, we do a Patreon hangout for Patreon supporters who are in the appropriate tier. And that means we are doing that this Saturday, January 29th. It will be our first one of 2022. We are looking forward to it. Please remember that we send out the invite just before the hangout so that you can click the link and join. This is not a situation where Jesse and I do a show for you or perform for you. It's a hangout with all the listeners. So you come in and we talk about the weather and have some awkward silences and it's a good time for everybody, okay? There will definitely be awkward silences. In fact, usually I'll fucking storm out angry (laughs) if we don't meet the requisite number of awkward silences. Yeah. So one thing we haven't discussed is the time because we moved. Obviously, we used to do it at 11 a.m. Pacific time. So, Jesse D., are we still doing it at 11 a.m. Pacific time? Well, no. Well, I guess we could. That's only 8 o'clock. Oh, wait, no. 11 a.m. then would be 12.12 here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, let's do it at 10. Pacific time. 10 Pacific time. Okay. Which will be 10, 11, 12, 1. Our time. Okay. All right. That sounds good. And I will send out a message about that as well because we're changing the time. That is a play. You see, right mid-show on the fly, we're making decisions. Big, life-changing decisions that will change the world around us. What time is our Patreon call? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, we love you guys. We appreciate all your support. You guys are beautiful people. If not for... The audience, there's obviously we would not be in a position to be doing what we're doing or for doing it for as long as we have been. Absolutely. This March 11th will be eight years doing the podcast. We have to do some sort of special anniversary We really do. Once COVID dies down and it's like a reasonable thing to travel and have gatherings, I would like to make like a, a whistle stop tour across and, you know, go to different regional areas and and have listeners come and and hang out and maybe do a show there record a show and have it be a thing we really need to plan that but that's that's down the road once the the anti-vax rally people are uh not (laughs) knocking on our door yeah uh we love you guys we appreciate you thank you very much democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism Speaking of anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers, there was a lady, and this is going to lead us right in. This is a, It's a beautiful segue that Brittany just maybe by happenstance designed. Oh, no, it was intentional. Oh, right? Yeah. I planned the shows very well. Very well. You, yeah. do, you do a good job. Yeah. Everybody applaud. I want to hear applause in your cars or wherever you are. Thank you. Oh, and That's- thank you, I should say, while we're on, like, giving me applause. Uh, thank you to the listeners who sent in congratulation messages about how I am now licensed as a yeah. clinician. So thank Fantastic. You. Yeah. So um, this a lady, uh, Amelia King is her name, and she's an anti-mask parent at a not local, but nearby Virginia County, I believe. Page County. I don't know where Page County is, so maybe not. But but she she won. How, how long is this clip? It is, well, so she was allowed to speak for three minutes, and she spent almost the entire three minutes complaining about how she doesn't like how she's allowed to speak for only three minutes because right. she can't get her point across. So I cut all of that out, okay, even good, though it good, was good. very funny. That's what, uh, I wanted to, that's what I wanted to talk about, because it really is yeah. just her saying, well, you know, what the problem is, is I come with prepared remarks because there's a three-minute limit, because yeah. what I'd like to do is just talk, but then I get carried away. Seriously, it goes on for like two minutes, over two minutes of her whining. It's like an SNL skit. And then she gets into her point, and then they cut her off again. Yeah. And then she threatens guns. All right. No mask mandates. My child, my children will not come to school on Monday with a mask on. All right. That's not happening. And I will bring every single gun loaded and ready to, I, I will call every. That's three minutes. You've you gone past your time. It's a policy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'll see y'all on Monday. Yikes. That is a not so veiled threat that she will see them Monday when she's bringing her guns, every single gun Loaded. Yeah, so she has since been charged with making an oral threat while on school property, and she was released on a $5,000 bond. But 
I I think that they should have let her keep talking. I mean, they, they seem like a real stickler for the rules over there. Made her pretty upset about this three-minute thing. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, it's been three minutes. But when someone is getting ready to really dig a hole for themselves and make violent threats, I think you let them keep talking. You give them all the rope that sh- they need. Yeah, I mean, she did pretty well there because she said, I'll see you on Monday. Like, she followed it up. Like, I'll be here with guns on Monday. So see yeah, you then. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty good. But what else would she have said? I mean, it would be interesting if they just let her go on for a few more seconds. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the reason this is a beautiful segue is because these people are, yeah, they're extremists for sure, but th- their their passions are inflamed and validated by the these radicals in the anti-vaccine movement that has proliferated into something that's far more mainstream than it was even a decade ago. Well, we just had here in D.C. a rally, Stop the Mandate rally yeah and we were gonna go we were gonna take you out there take a camera have you talk to people but then we decided okay wait (laughs) these people are not vaccinated yeah yeah. they're anti-mask they are going to be out there in large numbers thousands and that's probably not safe i mean even if you're outside i don't want to get close to those people i don't want to be around those people thousands of them they're taking up most of the room most of the air (laughs) yeah and we were even nervous to like be out and about in dc because there were videos i was seeing online about these rally goers being on the metro for example without masks and being called out by dc residents for disrespecting dc coming into dc and not following the mandates here so that just gives you a little glimpse into the number of people that we're here tonight the vaccine battle reaching a fever pitch in the nation's capital if there is risk there must be choice thousands rallying on the national mall for the defeat the mandates protest featuring some of the nation's most prominent anti-vaxxers tried to get a burger last night we got turned away because we didn't have a proof of vaccination card i'm not anti-vax i'm fully vaccinated but not this vaccine Main reason being is because it's quote-unquote experimental. That's not true. COVID-19 vaccines are fully approved, more scrutinized for safety than any vaccine in history. Supporters say mandating vaccines is the only way to get life back to normal and to protect those most vulnerable. But a new NBC News poll shows deep pessimism that may be hampering the vaccine effort. Seven in ten Americans believe the country's on the wrong track. And 53% disapprove of President Biden's handling of COVID, his worst numbers yet. And just 45% say they're vaccinated and boosted. Everybody wants to say we're extremists, and all I can say is we're living in extreme times. Mr. Biden suffering yet another blow to his vaccine push on Friday. His vaccine mandate for federal workers blocked in court. Obviously, we, we are confident in our legal authority here. Across the U.S., a tale of two pandemics, one showing glimmers of hope in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic as cases plummet in areas where Omicron may have peaked. In New York, once the nation's COVID epicenter, the governor citing a 66 percent drop in just the last two weeks. This is extraordinary progress. But in the South and the West, where Omicron hit later, a different story entirely. One of cases surging, setting new records and overrunning hospitals. But Dr. Anthony Fauci says he's hopeful the rest of the country will soon see a turnaround, possibly by mid-February. We don't want to get overconfident, but they all look like they're going in the right direction right now. There's a big caveat. Fauci predicting more pain and suffering in areas where fewer people are vaccinated and boosted. And Josh joins us now from the National Mall. So, Josh, was this protest against the vaccine itself or targeted more at the mandates? Well, they say it's about the mandates, but the speeches today were filled with misinformation about vaccine risks. And we asked rally goers whether they themselves were vaccinated. All but one of them told us they weren't. Kate? That is the that that dum dum the quote. Well, I'm not anti-vax. I'm just anti this vax because it's experimental. <laughs> That's supposed to be when the, you, you, yeah. you, you capitalize mm-hmm. and then lowercase lower capitalize. Yeah, cap, yeah. Uh, I have to explain my hilarious comedy. Here. It's the best comedy when you have to explain it. Uh, <laughs> That's what they say. Yeah. Um, not experimental. Billions of people globally have gotten the vaccine. If there was some mass death rate, some high rate, you would know somebody who got, who died or had adverse, like serious adverse reactions from the vaccine rather than 
knowing somebody who got COVID and and very, very sick from it. Well, and again, Joe Rogan is the king of this. Every piece of evidence that Joe Rogan has is anecdotal. He knows somebody who knows somebody who had a serious adverse yeah, yeah, event yeah. in response to the vaccine. And basically, the, the speaker list at this rally was like all of Joe Rogan's former guests on his show. Yeah. You have Peter McCullough, I, I believe is how you say his name. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Robert Malone. There were uh, several just anti-vax prominent... Uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah. I don't know if he's been on Joe Rogan's show, but he was definitely there. It seems like he has, but I don't keep up with the guest list that much, so... Well, I do know that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has tweeted praise of Joe Rogan, so oh, okay. do we at least know that? I don't think he's gone on the show, though. Good enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, but speaking of Robert F. Kennedy Jr., he is being widely criticized because he actually chose to invoke Nazi Germany in the speech that he gave at the rally. What we're seeing today, what we're seeing today is what I call turnkey totalitarianism. They are putting in place all of these technological mechanisms for control we've never seen before. It's been the ambition of every totalitarian state from the beginning of mankind to control every aspect of behavior, of conduct, of thought, and to obliterate dissent. None of them have been able to do it. They didn't have the technological capacity. Even in Hitler, Germany, you could, you could cross the Alps into Switzerland. You can hide in an attic like Anne Frank did. I visited in 1962 East Germany with my father and met people who had climbed the wall and escaped. So it was possible. Many died truly, but it was possible. It's just gross and dangerous, yeah. especially with someone with the the reputation of his family name behind him. Mm -hmm. It just... And also, I'm going to play the beginning of the clip for my own. So, were they were they screaming, "Lock him up! Lock lock them up! Lock them up!" Right when the clip started. What we're seeing today, what we're seeing today, is what I. I can't tell. Yeah, I can't tell. But it's certainly some Trump rally esque type of activity. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There were definitely chants of "Let's go, Brandon." that I saw on Twitter. Oh, I'm sure. But uh, the Auschwitz Memorial, which is very active on Twitter, has responded to this, and, and they tweeted, exploiting of the tragedy of people who suffered, were humiliated and tortured and murdered by the totalitarian regime of Nazi Germany, including children like Anne Frank, in a debate about vaccines and limitations during global pandemic, is a sad symptom of moral and intellectual decay. They are not wrong. Yeah. They are not wrong. Mm -hmm. This is, again, it's one of those things where... Uh, if you've never known oppression and torture and murder and genocide, uh, I mean, for any reasonable person to equate even a mask to something as horrific as the Holocaust, it doesn't jibe. But then here we are, and uh, someone ostensibly well-educated and, and smart and analytical and critical thinker, it just, it's, it's gross. Mm -hmm. It's gross. It's exploiting the murder of Anne Frank for his own political nonsense. Well, and how does the crowd feel about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. throwing a party where he asked his guests to have a negative COVID test or be vaccinated? Yeah, yeah. Well, he claims, oh, well, my wife did that. I don't know what. Cheryl. Sure, sure. Cheryl Hines. Just gross. By the way, Larry David was trending on Twitter today because of this. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a doctor. Well, there were many doctors. Well, there were a lot of people with white let, coats. Let's let, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, let's air quote this. <laughs> we, we should have a, a drop that just everything for the next six minutes is air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there were, I, I watched a lot of content for, for this rally. All of it disturbing. But this one really stood out for me because this is a Dr. Richard Urso in ophthalmologist in Houston. And I went to his Twitter after watching this video where he criticizes the CDC. He criticizes the FDA. You know what? Actually, let's listen to him do his crowd work before we talk about his Twitter bio. Anybody trust the trusted news media? Do you 
you trust the CDC and the FDA? Do you trust Fauci? All right. We've been fired, censored, erased from Wikipedia, but we're standing strong because we are with you. So today, again, we represent 17,000 doctors and scientists and humanity. We have three virtually indisputable recommendations backed by high-quality data. So let me get this straight. I'll just Let me make sure I'm on the right page here. He doesn't trust Dr. Fauci. He doesn't trust the CDC and... He doesn't trust the FDA. Is it, do I have that right? Yes. No FDA trust. No, hmm. but his Twitter bio reads, MD that patented an FDA approved drug. Oh. Well, Data matters. Oh, well then that's odd because he doesn't trust the FDA yet uses it to tout the drug that he developed and is ostensibly making money on. That is exactly right. Huh. Yeah. Wait. Could he be a hypocrite? <laughs> no. Not in this movement. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, so I, I ended it there because he talks about how data matters. He's talking about how he has important data. And it's just so strange to hear these people try to use data when it's it's clear that that crowd doesn't care about data yeah, or really sure. understand how to assess it or they they don't. Yeah, it's not, a, it's not an academic conference. It's... A frothing mob screaming, lock him up and let's go fucking Brandon. Yeah, and he's saying there's there's 17,000 doctors that are standing with them. Like, okay. Where's the list? <laughs> I'd love to see the list, number one. But they're also including all specialties, I assume, because he's an, an ophthalmologist. He's what Rand Paul is. Yeah. He's so... not an epidemiologist. He's not a virologist. He's not even a general practitioner. He's an eye doctor, which isn't to, to, to malign eye doctors, but in medicine, the reason you specialize is because there's so much knowledge to 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 gain that you you need to specialize. Yeah. Well, how many of that those seventeen thousand are chiropractors? It would be or, one question or that I have. Dos. What is it? Uh, all these. There's all several different disciplines of medicine that are not real doctor doc. Certainly, the chiropractor fits. It, it, listen, if you didn't go to medical school and you require people to call you doctor, uh, you got a problem. That's a problem. So, <laughs> yeah. So, it, it took all kinds at the rally, and it seems like it was a nightmare that... Uh, we did not attend. That we did not that attend. We did not attend. That we did not attend for good reason, I think, out of safety concerns. And hopefully all of those people have gone home and left D.C. Because since we've been in D.C., by the way, mask compliance has been nearly 100% everywhere we go. Heartwarmingly high. Even outside, honestly, in the street. Yeah. Because it's often busy when you're walking the street. It's not yeah, just yeah. like one person. You're passing a lot of people. So people wear masks outside. I know some people hear that and they're like, oh, look at these liberals. They're so afraid they're wearing masks outside. But it's for good reason when you're around a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For so sure. it, it's been a nice change from Orange County. So we would love to know what you think about these and all the other topics we've talked about today. 657-464-7609. Of course, we welcome your voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. Very wise. Again. Although I don't know if we've covered her as asshole of today. Yeah, I don't know. Former New York Times columnist or opinion writer. Mm -hmm. Now she's making a million dollars a year or more uh, with her Substack. Yeah. Playing to the culture war nonsense of the right. Of course. So she went on Bill Maher because that's where people of, are at home. Of course. And they take Another positions. One. Another one. I wonder if, if Brian, not to completely shit on Brian, but I wonder if Brian's also a Bill Maher fan. Yeah. So Maybe so. I do not know. But Barry Weiss went on Bill Maher and 
went somewhat viral, I would say, on on Twitter, talking about how she's so sick of COVID. She's, she's over, over COVID. I'm over the pandemic. And right? she goes on this little spiel talking about Tiger King and really playing to the audience. And she's become quite an entertainer. It was, you know, a, a little segment for her. But I don't want to play that. I want to play a mashup that I saw online. And I'm not sure who created the mashup. I really wish I could give the person credit. The person who tweeted it, which might be the creator of it, was Walker Bragman. So possibly the creator. But it's a mashup of Barry Weiss talking about how she's so done with COVID. And then various healthcare workers being interviewed about their experiences, their ongoing experiences with the pandemic. Yeah, I think his his tweet said something like, who we should really give careful um, notice of whose opinions about who's tired of the pandemic we pay attention to. Yeah, whose COVID burnout we focus on matters. I'm done. With this question? No, I'm, I'm done with COVID. Uh, A lot of people are like, I'm done. I, I can't keep doing this because it's going to destroy my own health. Oh, I'm done. It's yeah. like I, I went so hard on COVID. I sat in that room and I held his hand and I listened to 20 people say goodbye to him. Um, and he was just one story out of thousands. I, yeah, I remember. sprayed the Pringles cans that I bought at the grocery store, stripped my clothes off because I thought COVID would be on my clothes. The upside is when they go home. But during this, uh, it's hard to put into words, but they may not be with us anymore, see? That's when it all really is let out. Like, I did it all. I watched Tiger King. I got to the end of Spotify. Like, we all did it, right? The worst thing is when we do our ward books in the morning, and it's when the amount of RIPs outnumbers the ones that have made it down to the wards. And I think that's when it really kicks in. And they're a lot younger in the first wave, sorry. I remember thinking, that could be mum, that could be my aunt. And now I'm thinking, that could be me, that could be my brother, my boyfriend. No, we didn't all okay, do well, it. Well, here's the thing. A lot no, of us, we didn't all do it. A lot it. of us did do it. And then we were told, you get the vaccine. You get the vaccine and you get back to normal. I've been an ICU full-time for about seven years. The last two, I have been full-time through the pandemic, picking up overtime when I can. Uh, and burnout has affected me quite close to home. In uh, November and December, I made the decision that I just, for my own mental health, I had to take a step back. And we haven't gotten back to normal. It's just so awful to take care of the parents of, of dependent children who you know they have a five-year-old or a grade school kid at home or younger. It's, it's awful. And it's ridiculous at this point. I also think it's it, it's just mind-boggling to me that people think saying I'm done with COVID is a unique statement. Yeah, we're all done with COVID. We wish that we could move on. We wish it could be over. Yeah, what does it accomplish? What does it communicate? Like, yeah, you're frustrated? Weird. We all are. Right. Like, I don't like wear a mask. Yeah, fuck. No one does. It's... It doesn't make you special, Barry Wise. It doesn't make you unique in any way. Yeah. So, but I I loved this mashup because it's important for people to understand that that it's still going on. And uh, I think a lot of these I'm done with COVID types are moving on and feel that the risk of getting COVID is fine for them. If they get it, they're not really worried about it. But there are many people who are immunocompromised in positions where if they do get sick, it's going to be very serious for them and possibly kill them. And if you care about people, then it seems like you want to continue to do what you, you should be doing in order to protect those that are still vulnerable and could get seriously ill or die from the virus. And unfortunately, or or maybe fortunately, we've uh, because of the pandemic, it's it's really highlighted who does care about other people and who doesn't mm-hmm. fucking care. Yeah. So we'd love to know what you think. 657-464-7609. Email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We're going to leave you there. We'd love to hear from you. We'll see you next time. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, 
and this has been I Doubt.